Everyone's got a Bible? Let's get your Bibles out. So the message today, the title of the message is, Who is Jesus? You know, as normal, I go through a quick review. And we're going to continue this week through our normal pattern, studying verse by verse, simply teaching the Word. Nate did a good job last week. He did a great job. I was pretty amazed how he went through an entire chapter, chapter 9 in John. Not only did he go through that, he did it actually, he was even a little early. I was like, wow. So last week Nate taught and we learned about a man, a man who had been blind from birth that Jesus had healed. Now this miracle was performed by Jesus after the disciples had asked a question. The disciples had asked Jesus, they said, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Then Jesus replied to them, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Now, after Jesus healed this man, it caused quite the fuss, didn't it? Especially amongst the religious leaders, asking this man, this formerly blind man, who and on what authority who had healed him. Now, through this interrogation by these religious leaders, it was amazing. This man's faith actually progressed from first believing that Jesus was someone who had healed him, all the way to worshiping Jesus Christ as his Lord. And I found that interesting as we looked at that chapter, that the more the leaders, these religious leaders, questioned the man, they questioned him, who is Jesus? the more they examined what took place, this man's faith grew, and he became a follower of Jesus. And we remember the story after this then. These religious leaders, they became quite upset with the man, didn't they? He had told them, he said, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? got pretty... Uh, Sassy there, didn't he? Then we know he got kicked out of the synagogue over this. And Jesus, then we know the story, went and found the man and came to him and encouraged him. So today, I got to go through all that because today's passages are a direct response from Jesus to the Pharisees concerning what took place last week. So if you've got your Bibles, we got to go back two verses in John chapter 9, John chapter 9, turn to verse 40, verse 40 and 41. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. So these religious leaders We've been reading about them, we study them, and we know they have been given, really, all the way back, they've been given a very special privilege by God, ordained by God, to shepherd God's people. These under-shepherds had a responsibility by God to these Jewish people to lead them in their walk as followers of God. I was reading and looked for a definition, because we're going to talk about shepherds. And in my Strong's Dictionary, it says a shepherd. The tasks of a Near Eastern shepherd were to watch for enemies trying to attack the sheep, 
to defend the sheep from attackers, to heal the wounded and sick sheep, to find and save lost or trapped sheep, to love them, sharing their lives, and so earning their trust. That was the religious leader's job to the people. That was not what was taking place, was it? In fact, I want to look at another rebuke. Turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Chapter 40, let's look at verse 9 through 11. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout it and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. This was a great definition of a shepherd in Jesus Christ. I will add a responsibility, I believe, of the religious leaders and under shepherd. Through the study of scripture, these religious leaders should have been seeking and should have recognized Jesus as the Messiah. This should have happened. Then, in recognizing Jesus, they should have been pointing others to Jesus and in faith even bringing people before Jesus. This is what should have took place. But this wasn't. We know it. That's not what took place. These leaders did not see Jesus as the fulfillment of the Scriptures because they were blind. We just we read this. They were blind spiritually to see the truth of what was taking place right in front of them. It was really even worse than this. Turn back, John chapter 9, verse 41. It says, If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But then Jesus replied, But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. So as we get ready to dig into this verse, John chapter 10, 1 through 6, remember, this is a direct response to what is taking place that we studied last week about the man Jesus healing the blind man. So let's look. John chapter 10. Let's look at the first six verses. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. As we start to dig into this, I want to give just a maybe a little context. If you just skip ahead in John chapter 10, look at verse 22 real quick. This is going to be next week's message, obviously, but I want to give this context because it says in verse 22, it was now winter. So we know a little bit there. So if it was winter or very near that time, we assume, I don't think there's a big gap between these two times. Think about the sheep. Now, if it was winter, the sheep would have been in their sheepfolds. They would have been in shelters, wherever that would be. They would not be out in the pastures. Now, I don't know for sure how this all took place, but the time and the location would make this very possible. 
Jesus taught, as Jesus taught, you think about this, it would have been very, very likely that there would have been sheepfolds near him as he taught. And as he taught, it's very possible you could have even heard the sheep bawling and the shepherds would have been standing nearby watching and the gatekeepers nearby. I imagine this taking place. As Jesus taught, being actually able not to just see Jesus teaching, but to see sheepfolds in the background and hearing the sheep, maybe even some of the sheep that were going to be offered as sacrifices. The Bible does not give these details. I want to be clear. But something led Jesus to teach in this parable. And the timing is right. I can see Jesus teaching this lesson even as this was taking place in the background. Maybe I'm wrong, but this is the picture that Jesus is presenting before us in the text, teaching us a very important lesson. Now, I'm not going to go too deep in interpreting these verses right now, because Jesus is going to do that for us in the next verses. But I think we need a vocabulary test beforehand. Anyone up for that? I think we need to understand some of the meanings or define some of the meanings of the words as we continue to have a better understanding of the people mentioned and the places mentioned. Because I'll be honest, as I read some of the things, this is not my culture. I'm not familiar with these things. And so I was a little bit lost when I first studied this, not always knowing about sheepfolds and flocks and the different gatekeepers. And so I think a little bit of definition would help us before we get into this passage. Help us to understand this parable and the lesson that Jesus has for us. So let's begin with sheep. Simple one. Everyone know what a sheep is? Bah. All right, I, did, I Googled it because I, you know, I, I know what a sheep is. I know you guys know what a sheep is, but I had to Google it. You know? So Google said, sheep have a natural inclination to follow a leader. We've heard that about sheep. They also like to congregate around each other. They like to be in a group. I think we all kind of know that. They're also thought of by most to be very unintelligent. I think we've heard that, right? We've heard that. Now, this is Google. I didn't say it. Blame Google. But also because they're not very intelligent at times, it's very commonly known that they actually are difficult to care for as an animal because they get themselves in trouble a lot and wander off and do dumb things. I think we've actually, most of us are familiar with this. But this, again, this was Google that I Googled and told me this. So they are also, ready for this? Google said they are unable to care for themselves on their own. We would agree with that. That's sheep. Now, after hearing all this, this easy one, who are the sheep in the story? Us, right? We're the sheep. So after I just said all that, we're the sheep. It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, everybody's like, yeah. Next word, flock. I mean, I think most of you probably know what a flock is, but it is a herd or a group of sheep known to belong to a shepherd. This is the church. A sheepfold. This is where it got a little bit confusing for me, maybe. So a sheepfold is very simply a pen or a corral, small typically in nature. This is not a big sheepfold. It's not usually really big, but it's a structure used to gather the sheep for protection, for care, Symbolically, though, it's a place, right? A building. It's a place where the church could meet. Now, the gate. This gets a little deeper, right? The gate. 
This is the door to the sheepfold. And in this story, the one who keeps the sheep in the sheepfold and the one who opens the gate to lead them to pasture is who? Jesus. He also has the job to protect the sheep from others entering that should not be there. Think about that, the gate. Often, this was physically the shepherd himself laying in the gate. Now, that takes us to the shepherd. The shepherd, I gave a little bit of definition earlier, but I want to give another definition. It says here, the one who oversees, protects, cares, and loves the sheep. Jesus is our shepherd. Our pastors are known as shepherds, or maybe better is a under-shepherd. Now, gatekeeper, this is a little bit debatable, figuratively. But in Jesus' time, the shepherd would bring the sheep into a sheep fold, into a corral or a pen. Now, inside of this sheep fold, you may have several different flocks, different shepherds' sheep. So the gatekeeper would be there, and this is maybe in the entrance of a town or an area. And this is when the sheep could go there. The shepherd could then go and get supplies or go on to do what he needed to do. And there would be a gatekeeper there. Then the shepherd would come back to the sheepfold, to the gatekeeper, and he would open the gate, and he'd make a call or a yell. Each shepherd had a unique way of calling his sheep. A unique call. And the sheep knew his voice and they were to respond to that shepherd's call and they would come out of the sheepfold and he would take his sheep and lead them out to the pasture or wherever he was going to lead his fold of sheep. So, I think our definitions are going pretty good. It's important because as we look at this story, there's a lot of deep understanding here. There's one other thing I want to look at though before we continue. It's the Verse 1, chapter 10, it says, I will tell you the truth. If you look at your Bibles, everyone starts a little bit differently. Verily, solemnly, uh, this is Jesus speaking. I looked it up, and in the Greek and the Hebrew, it's amen, amen. It was a new lesson for me. Amen, amen. And it's a, a way that Jesus begins this very trustworthy, very solemnly. Um, so be it. As it, to make a, a proclamation, a truth to be spoken. And he says it twice in a row here. So remember that as we continue now in verses 6 through 10. John chapter 10, verse 6. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. As I read this, I noticed something, first of all, that Jesus mentioned thieves, and robbers. And their purpose was to steal, kill, and destroy. So obviously a pretty big warning that all of us should be aware of. But what's interesting, he mentions thieves and robbers. I never really considered two that different. 
But there's definitely a difference. If you look it up in the Greek, thieves, kleptes, is an embezzler. The name is transferred to false teachers, those who do not care to instruct men, but abuse their own confidence for their own gain. So in reading this, I see this person as someone from within the church there for personal gain, not there to come minister to God's people. Now, a robber is different though, isn't it? It's different than a thief. A robber is a person that comes into the flock, into the church from the outside, usually forcibly going to come in and steal or take for their own gain. So there is a difference between a thief and a robber. So it's a warning. We must watch inwardly for attacks on the church, but we also need to be aware of outward attacks coming into the church who would attack our church and our family here. It's also helpful as we look at this to determine a true shepherd. Are they there because of money, pride, or are they serving there in the church because love of God's people, love of the sheep? Let's look at a verse. Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 1 and 2. Now I'm going to read this here in a second. How many people we got here in leadership and ministry in any form? I'm guessing over half of you. Everyone in this, at least half of you are in ministry in some form of leadership. At least half of you I can look at. I think actually more than half. So what an interesting message we're going to look at today. Let's read Jeremiah 23, 1 through 2. What sorrow awaits the leaders of my people, the shepherds of my sheep, for they have destroyed and scattered the very ones they were expected to care for, says the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to these shepherds. Instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you have deserted them and driven them to desolation. Now I will pour out judgment on you for the evil you have done for them. You know, I also think all of us have seen horrific situations in leaderships in church. We've seen bad pastors, bad leadership. And I could go down, I'm not going to get into all the details and all that, but I think everyone here probably has experienced that. A lot of hurt and a lot of pain have came through poor leadership in churches, poor shepherds. And we're talking about that a little bit today, and a lot of people have not come back to churches many times because of the hurt they've experienced through leadership in churches. We sometimes see these things and we hear these things and we wonder why they go unnoticed. They don't. God very clearly is keeping account of every one of these things. So turn back to John chapter 10. We can also look at the responsibility of a shepherd, who we know very often is the actual gate. Remember, the job of a gate is to prevent from harm from coming into the sheepfold, but also another job, to keep the sheep from wandering out into harm without a shepherd. This shepherd is also tasked, we see, with leading the sheep out into pasture. This was a place where the sheep would have been taken and watched over. They would have been able to partake of this rich and plentiful nourishment. It's a beautiful picture when I read this and think of this. Each for us, right? I mean, it's the story of all of us, right? Each of us, we come into a sheepfold, the protection. We're cared for. We're taken care of. And then in his timing, just as in this story, we are called out, but able to return 
to and from as Jesus would provide for us a rich and satisfying life. It's a picture for many of us to be first the part of a sheepfold, part of God's flock, but then to be called out, to go out, but always having the safety of the church, of the sheepfold to come to. Jesus made a bold statement here when he said that he is the gate for his sheep. Turn to John, just a couple pages over, 14.6. John 14.6. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you have really known me, you'd have known who my Father is. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. There is no other way but through faith in Jesus Christ that someone can have eternal life. One more point before we move on here. I see a warning in the passages about for each of us about being true sheep. It's interesting. So often there's a good shepherd, there's a bad shepherd, there's sheep, there's true sheep, there's not true sheep. A true sheep, a true follower of Jesus Christ, it says here, will not listen or follow a false shepherd. Turn to Second Peter. A lot of verses today. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 13. It's talking about these false teachers. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They're a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception even as they eat with you at your fellowship meals. Jesus has proclaimed to be God, to be the good shepherd, but also warning us that there are bad shepherds. So let's look at verses 11 through 13. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. So when the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock, the hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and does not really care about the sheep. Jesus is calling these bad shepherd hired hands. Those who do not offer themselves as sacrificial love that is required of a true shepherd. You know, it's a test, I guess, for if a person truly is a true shepherd. Because when trials come, when attacks come, they're going to come against the church. Attacks will come. Will the shepherd abandon the responsibility to lay down his own life to save the sheep? It's a picture that you can think of. It's a test. Notice the wolf also. I found this interesting. Notice that he's not the one that actually attacked the sheepfold. That was the, the thief and the robbers. They came after the sheepfold. The wolf was the one who attacked and scattered the flock. The actual people, God's people taking them away from the protection of the sheepfold. This is Now, you think about this. How is and was this wolf able to attack God's people? How was he able to? Turn to Acts chapter 20, verse 28. How do we prevent attacks from wolves that will come and scatter God's people? Acts 20, verse 28. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood over the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. 
I know that false teachers are like vicious wolves. They will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you. My constant watch and care over you night and day and many tears for you. We need to be in the word of God daily and communally. This is how we will know false teachers. This is how we will know the hired hands that are out there only seeking to serve themselves. Turn back again to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 34. Look at 7 through 10. Ezekiel 34, 7 through 10. Testing your Bible skills today. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you abandoned my flock and left them to be attacked by every wild animal. And though you were my shepherds, you did not search for my sheep when they were lost. You took care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I now consider these shepherds my enemies and will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. I will take away their right to feed the flock and I will stop them from feeding themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. The sheep will no longer be their prey. Think about this. It's just, wow. Again, I know so many of us here today are in ministry. And I don't know about you, but after I read these passages and I see these stern warnings from God, it's sobering to know what is required of those of us that have been in positions of leadership within the church. There's great responsibility. We must not be like these hired hands, but follow Christ's example, sacrificing everything needed to tend to his sheep. That's a big statement. Turn back to John chapter 10. There's further instruction. John chapter 10, 14 through 16. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Jesus knows each and every one of us personally. And if we belong to him and know him, we will have a relationship with him daily through the study of the word, through prayer. Jesus shows us in this text, in these passages, this relationship, an example for us between himself and God. The same as we ourselves should know Jesus. It's ongoing and it's very intimate. You know, we've read through the Gospels and we see how Jesus is consistently spending time with God. And Jesus gives us a reason, doesn't he? He gives us the reason of why we should love as he has loved us. Because he gave himself as a sacrifice for us, the sheep. It says, just as my father knows me also, I know the father. So just knowing who God is, who Jesus is, and what he's done for us is reason enough for us to give ourselves to serve as Jesus does for each one of us. 
Now, as we look at this now, as we continue in the passages we just went over, we need to remember that Jesus was speaking to the Jewish people. Because look at verse 16. It says, I have other sheep too that are not with us in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Think about this. Jesus is speaking to them and he's talking about us back then. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2, 14 through 18. Explains it well here, what he's speaking of here in John. Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between the Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. Jesus truly is our good shepherd. Turn back to John chapter 10. And let's look at 17 and 18. The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one may take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. Think about this statement that Jesus has given. God loves him because he gave freely his life to save you. Then Jesus says, no one could have taken his life. Only he had authority to lay down his life so you can have life. It's amazing truth what Jesus has done for us. But his statements, it gets even bolder because then he says the authority was given to him to do this by God, not only to die in our place, paying our sin debt, but then also to be resurrected, giving us the privilege also for each of us to join in that resurrection. Each of us to be resurrected from our old self, from our sin, to be born again as a child of God freed from sin. Jesus' sacrifice was voluntarily, freely because of his love for the Father and for his sheep. This is the heart of a true shepherd. He paints a beautiful picture for each of us. He voluntarily gave his life. How do we follow that example as leaders in the church? To follow Christ's example. It's a difficult question. Let's finish up and read the last few verses, 19 through 21. When he said these things, the people were divided, again divided in their opinions about him. Some said he's a demon possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? You know, it's been almost 2,000 years since this was Jesus had spoke these words. Not much has changed, has it? The people were divided in their opinions about him. Just as today we see Jesus, many people see us, they see Jesus' followers as being out of their minds. While others today, just like then, kind of on the fence, Questioning, who is Jesus? Yet, even as you see in the scripture, being a witness to the miraculous works of Jesus, but still on the fence, wondering, who is Jesus? So today we learn from Jesus that there are thieves and robbers that can come into the church. That these people, they serve 
themselves. They're not here to serve God's people. They're only to benefit themselves, to seek, kill, and destroy, was Jesus' words. But Jesus continued to warn us, didn't he? He gave us another warning about the hired hand who's only here for money and prideful reasons. And also a warning that when the wolf does come to attack and scatter the church, the hired hand will run away, leaving the people to be attacked. Now turn back again. One last verse. Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from the places they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the peoples of the nation. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and in all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend to my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign God. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away, and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak, but I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, feed them justice. The title of today's message was, Who is Jesus? But there was also the message of the shepherd, a message for all of us. So we learned through here that Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the one who calls out his sheep. He is the one who provides them with a rich and satisfying life and protecting his flock. So I think we got a lot of pictures given to us today of who Jesus is, who the good shepherd is, and also the example of who we should be as under shepherds or leaders in the church. But I don't think we should end the teaching there because I think there's some today maybe even here, who have not responded to this calling that was spoken of in this passage. Maybe there's some here today that's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe there's some here that's heard that call, that prompting from the Holy Spirit to become and be part of this family, part of the church. Let this be the day that you respond to that calling the Holy Spirit's given you, to receive and accept that invite that Jesus is calling to you to call upon him. And maybe as we read this, there may be some here today who have placed their faith in Jesus, but they haven't been faithful to walk in a manner that is pleasing to God. I just pray that today would be a day that you'd turn from that, that you'd commit your life again before Jesus. So if there's anyone here that would like to accept that calling, or if there's anyone here that feels they have not been walking in a calling that's what God has asked of them, please, as we worship today, I'll be up here, and I would love to pray with you. And I'd love to explain to you, you know, even share some of my own testimony with you, because I've been in both these places. So as the worship team heads up, we're going to pray for Nate, and we're going to worship, and then we're going to also have some food. Let's stand.